The Electronic Intifada. Intifada. Intifada Electronic. Intifada Electronica. This is the Electronic Intifada Podcast. In Oakland, I'm Nora Barrows Friedman. You're listening to the Electronic Intifada Podcast. In a few minutes, we'll speak to two professors who are part of a burgeoning coalition of members of faculty at U.S. universities that seeks to build upon the work in which Students for Justice in Palestine has engaged and support professors and members of the academy to help grow the global boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement to hold Israel accountable for its violations of Palestinians' rights. But first, we begin with boycott activism news from Canada. On Monday, February 22nd, the Undergraduate Student Union at McGill University in Montreal passed a motion to support the Palestinian-led boycott, divestment, and sanctions campaign. According to a statement from McGill students, quote, the motion was put forth by the McGill BDS Action Network, a coalition of 19 campus groups, and calls on the Student Society of McGill University to lobby the McGill administration to divest from companies that are complicit in Israel's illegal occupation of Palestinian territories, as well as support for other BDS campaigns on campus. They add that, quote, the vote receiving a substantial 58% majority of the 883 students present passed with 512 voting for, 357 voting against, and 14 abstentions. The motion has now moved to an online ratification process, giving all student society members a chance to participate in the democratic process. Online ratification ends on Saturday, February 27th. Recently, the Canadian Parliament, led by Justin Trudeau, voted to condemn the global BDS campaign. The Canadian press agency reported that the conservative Tory motion, quote, calls upon the government to condemn any and all attempts by Canadian groups or individuals to promote the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement, which it describes as promoting the demonization and delegitimization of Israel. In response, McGill students say in their statement that, quote, the recent Canadian parliamentary vote condemning BDS has once again shown that we cannot trust our governments to reliably uphold principles of human rights and justice. Just as the Student Society at McGill divested from South Africa while the Canadian government still supported apartheid, it is up to student activists to pave the way for ensuring human rights for Palestinians in defiance of the interests of the Israeli and Canadian governments. Change does not start at the governmental level, but rather with the people, and in our case, university students. We're now joined by two students with the McGill BDS Action Network at McGill University in Montreal, Yasmin Mosiman and Melise Chan. Yasmin and Melise, thank you so much for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Um, thank you. Thanks for the coverage. There was overwhelming support by students at McGill for this BDS motion and Zionist and anti-Palestinian groups have mobilized in force to try and suppress this ratification and, uh, in general, BDS activism on McGill's campus. Melis, let's start with you. Can you describe the situation at McGill right now and what happens as the vote moves towards ratification this weekend? Sure. So uh, since yesterday, we're in the online ratification period uh, where groups are technically not allowed to campaign. Uh, however, because the no side doesn't have an official campaigning organization, they have been campaigning and they've also had outside groups uh, publish statements uh, uh, encouraging students to vote no during the online ratification period. Uh, 
And yeah, so we're basically not allowed to campaign because we are an official group and we can get sanctioned if we campaign. However, the other side has been uh, mobilizing around campus. And there have also been a lot of yeah, accusations of anti-Semitism uh, targeted at both our group and other groups that have endorsed the motion, uh, which we as a group take all accusations of anti-Semitism very seriously. We, uh, we are like a group that is, has a base of anti-oppression and we are against any form of oppression for any people. And Miguel also has a big history of anti-Semitism in the 1920s and 40s. Um, there was a quota on Jewish students. So like we are very much aware of this history of Miguel and are also like interested in fighting and committed to fighting forms of anti-Semitism on campus as well. However, we also, like, we can't uh, get people to vote yes. We are not allowed to campaign, but we are still trying to tell people that BDS is not inherently anti-Semitic and we are, as an organization, committed to uh, make, keeping McGill a safe space for all students, including Palestinians and Jewish students. And, uh, well, if the motion is ratified this weekend, or even if it isn't, what's next for the McGill BDS campaign? What kinds of strategies will you continue to develop in terms of campus national and international activism in support of Palestinians' rights? Well, firstly, um, I think our, our primary goal is to um, push the university itself um, to divest from three companies, um, which uh, its investment portfolio currently has holdings in. Um, this includes Remax, the international well-known uh, real estate agency, L3 Communications, and uh, Tezabot um, Mizrahi Bank. Each of these uh, companies are directly creating harm on the ground in Palestine, um, and we don't think our tuition dollars should go to this. Um, so, firstly, our to reiterate that, like, firstly, our goal is divestment. Um, there are a number of ideas floating around, but uh, that's our central goal right now. Yeah, and also we will definitely keep doing educational events and trying to keep the conversation that has started with the BDS motion uh, at the GA going in, on campus. Uh, finally, how can people learn more about the campaign at McGill and support the ratification vote coming up this weekend? So they can definitely check out our uh, Facebook page, which is McGill BDS Action Network. We also have a website, uh, which is also linked on the Facebook page. And yeah, like one thing that we really want people to do is keep spreading the word because a lot of the coverage that has been happening around this has been very much like biased against us. And yeah, just like keeping a positive word and spreading the news would be great. Yeah, um, and many of our um, activists have been targeted directly via like personal messages or um, like public um, condemnations. Um, like the most obvious example is Canary Mission, which um, activists from across North America have been um, profiled and and targeted with like personal information being put online, um, which while we don't think it's uh, too big of a, of a concern, it's, uh, it is a scare tactic. Um, and I think the international community should condemn this and like let inter Palestine solidarity activists uh, operate. 
And there's also an online petition um, in support of the BDS motion at McGill, and we'll put a link to that on the Electronic Intifada uh, as well. Yasmin and Melis, you're both students at McGill University in Montreal and part of the McGill BDS Action Network. Thank you both for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll be right back with an interview with two professors in the U.S. who are part of a new coalition called Faculty for Justice in Palestine. Stay tuned. Hay que hacer no solamente hablar, boycott Israel. Bear by the totus, knowledge was the fifth element. Truth behind the lies is what the music represents. So how the fuck you gonna have a peace settlement? When people want a piece of your land to build settlements. There's all different kind of terrorism you could perpetrate. Every dead body causes karma to circulate. It's suicide bombing buildings full of civilians. Or cutting off water to cities full of children. You can't try to justify collective punishment. A country never finds peace with bodies buried under it I guess some Americans just don't remember There's a slave graveyard under the World Trade Center Stop the criticism of Iranian nuclear fission Until mutual nuclear disarmament's the mission This ain't about religion, Muslim, Jew, or Christian It's about people making money off of that division Sin que medien armamentos, digo siempre es buen momento Pa' iniciar entendimiento es demasiado el desencuentro Siento que el respeto debe ser boleto al parlamento es el respeto el primer paso si no lo que sigues cuento es un complejo asunto cuanto tiempo son cientos de años el premio al mayor daño para los de menor tamaño coño. me empeño en no estar de acuerdo con ninguna posición que implique a lo más cual versión de discriminación brother violencia intolerancia en cualquier forma de presión más allá de cualquier religión visión de obsesión hay que hacer no solamente hablar boycott israel I am recognizing that the voices in my head are urging me to be myself and never follow when I'm led So with that said, it's insurgency as we confirm some things I am anti-Zionist and any fundamentalist The devil's in the specifics, mixing with your favorite dish You can beef with Israel and not be anti-Semitic Don't buy beef from Israel cause you paying to kill them kids So if you're rocking this shit, go ahead do the Gaza Strip My heart race when I hit a park, date from off the lens We have lived in this Olympic scene, free Mandela pickets in this image Repeatedly to street for villa children Even freed from prison Cause of global criticism of this Horrible system boycotted by the citizens In Oakland, I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman You're listening to the Electronic Intifada podcast Solidarity and support for Palestinian liberation Is growing across campuses worldwide coupled with the expansion of the boycott, divestment, and sanctions campaign. In the United States, students have established at least 150 chapters of Students for Justice in Palestine, while facing concerted efforts of silencing, censorship, slander, and intimidation by Israel-aligned organizations on and off campus. As more and more scholarly associations and individual professors pledge to refuse to collaborate with Israeli academic institutions as part of the growing academic boycott campaign, members of faculty face similar kinds of repression aimed at their jobs and reputations. But a new national organization has emerged that seeks to build upon the work in which Students for Justice in Palestine has engaged and support professors and members of the academy 
to help grow this global movement to hold Israel accountable for its violations of Palestinians' rights. That organization is called Faculty for Justice in Palestine, and professors from at least seven universities across the U.S. have already started chapters. Joining us to talk about Faculty for Justice in Palestine are Cynthia Franklin and Bill Mullen. Cynthia is an author and a professor of English at the University of Hawaii. Bill is also an author and a professor of American Studies at Purdue University in Indiana. Both of our guests are members of the U.S. Campaign for the Academic and Cultural Boycott of Israel, or U.S. ACBI. Cynthia and Bill, thank you so much for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Nora. So let's begin by having you both talk about how you came to be part of the inception of Faculty for Justice in Palestine and what these chapters look like on the campuses where you work. Uh, Cynthia, let's start with you. Well, I think the idea for this came up in the wake of the 2013 American Studies Association victory where we passed the resolution to support the academic boycott. And we wanted to, you know, not stop there, but to build on the energy from that victory and also to support students for justice in Palestine who, you know, were experiencing all kinds of repression on their campuses. So at the 2014 ASA conference in Los Angeles, faculty and students came together with local organizers. We met, uh, over 40 of us met, and uh, that gathering was organized by the U.S. Campaign for the Academic and, Boycott and Cultural Boycott of Israel. And at that meeting, the idea came up to form these uh, Faculty for Justice in Palestine chapters as a way to carry on the work of U.S. ACBI in a local in local contexts. And you know, one of the things that appealed to us, in addition to being able to help the SJP chapters, was to do kinds of work um, that weren't directly related to boycott, divestment, and sanctions, but that could support that through educational initiatives. I uh, came through in much the same way that Cynthia did through the American Studies Association boycott, and I was at that organizing meeting in 2014, and um, it was Sunaina at UC Davis, who's a longtime Palestinian activist, who said, suggested the idea, and we all immediately, it made sense immediately because many of us, for example, are advisors to SJP chapters, as I am at Purdue, and I've seen the kinds of repression and double standards that SJPs are held to. And over the past two years, as the BDS movement has gathered strength, this repression has come down especially hard. So I felt that it would be really good to have a group of faculty on my campus that I could call on to help, for example, provide moral and material support to the Purdue SJP chapter. And that's one of our roles right now. We're helping to sponsor uh, Leila Al-Haddad, who's coming here to speak. And we're making sure that we let faculty know that this is happening and that we provide the kind of um, uh, aid to our, our, our SJP that they need. Uh, and that's been a really critical part of the work for, for me. Um, and I think another dimension of this was, you know, the backlash against the American Studies Association was so intense everywhere from the New York Times to the state legislatures that tried to immediately pass legislation to punish boycotters um, that we felt like we had to take that repression seriously as faculty. 
And I think that FJP speaks to our sense of a need for a, a network and a solidarity to uh, share strategies for one, advancing BDS, but two, um, aiding each other in campus-to-campus -campus struggles. That's the voice of Bill Mullen and Cynthia Franklin. As you both mentioned, uh, members of Students for Justice in Palestine have been harassed and threatened, slandered, intimidated, and censored for their work on Palestine solidarity activism. Um, let's talk a little bit more about how faculty members are looking at this. We saw, of course, the treatment of Stephen Saleta in 2014, who was fired by the University of Illinois for his critical tweets against Israeli oppression and violence in Gaza essentially by an administration who was pressured to fire him by Israel lobby groups or pro-Israel donors. Uh, when it comes to faculty members taking part in this kind of work, how high are the stakes for professors? I'll, I'll, I'll say um, the stakes are always high. I, I think we all know that Palestine remains a third rail issue on a lot of campuses. I think we all know that the the vulnerability around this issue remains higher than perhaps any political issue on campuses. We saw in the case of Stephen Salida that universities are willing to cave in to donor pressure uh, in order to make sure that pro-Palestinian voices are squashed. Donors support every single university that all of us work on. Uh, so I, I think that I think the Salida case was a pivotal moment for me also in thinking about the need for FJP uh, because the kinds of repression that students were facing was now coming home in a very immediate way, even though Stephen was not the first to suffer this. Um, but it put everything, it made everything quite clear, I think, to faculty uh, that we need mechanisms to try to protect and defend ourselves when we, when we come under attack. And as much as anything, we need to continue to show the kind of solidarity that faculty showed with Stephen. I mean, we all remember that more than 5,000 faculty around the world decided that they would themselves boycott University of Illinois Champaign-Urbana unless Stephen's job was restored. And it's some of those people on my campus uh, who agreed to that boycott are people who have now decided to join Faculty for Justice in Palestine here at Purdue. One thing I would add to that, and Bill and I are both part of this initiative, is that um, we have also formed a campus defense coalition for Palestine. And uh, one of the, you know, kind of aims of that is to provide support to faculty members who are undergoing um, repression on their campuses. But the FJP chapters are a kind of networked way for us to be able to respond quickly when things happen and for people to reach out locally, but also the FJPs can be in conversation with one another if faculty members are experiencing repression on campuses. Uh, let's talk for a moment about how professors who are part of Faculty for Justice in Palestine are talking about Palestine in the classroom. Um, we see Palestine becoming more and more situated within broader off-campus and on-campus conversations around anti-racism work and an analysis of historic and modern settler colonialism, mass incarceration, for example. Um, what can you say about the importance of these kinds of conversations inside the classroom and how are your students receiving these concepts? Um, I'll start there and just say that, um, first of all, by the work that our FJP is doing in combination with our newly formed SJP. And one of the kind of unusual things at Hawaii is our FJP preceded our SJP, 
And in fact, you know, we just folded in students as well as faculty initially. And now we've split into two different groups that work together. But we have a reading group that meets every two weeks. And um, we're using that for curriculum um, design and, you know, to kind of talk about texts that we're teaching in classrooms and ways to teach them. So that's something that our S, you know, that our students for Justice in Palestine and faculty for Justice in Palestine are doing. And so these um, texts are working their way into our classrooms in various ways. Um, I'm teaching a class this semester on love and politics, and we're doing some Palestinian films, and it's been really helpful to screen those and talk about them in the, the FJP group um, and, and with the graduate students in there who are also teaching the texts. I would say I, I teach in American Studies here, and uh, in the last two years, we've started to introduce more books on Palestine into the curriculum, partly because students have been demanding that. So, for example, one of the books that I now teach is Alex Lubin's Geographies of Liberation, which is a really wonderful study on the long history of Afro-Arab solidarity, especially around the question of Palestine in the latter chapters of the book. This has given students a whole new way, not only of understanding Palestine, but of understanding U.S. support for Israel, the long-standing kind of mythic identifications between America and Israel as settler colonial states. Um, it's becoming transformative, I think, for some students in that, in that field. I also think here at Purdue, as at other campuses, um, scholars who are working in Arab-American literatures and other related fields are making sure that they include for students voices of, you know, Ghassan Kanafani and other critical Palestinian writers who have to some extent been neglected outside of the sort of narrow, narrow uh, canons of, of Middle East literature. But I think now we're becoming more familiar to students. And uh, I'll just add that, like Cindy, we've been trying to organize people in our FJP to do uh, readings around books like Ali Abu Nima's Battle for Justice in Palestine, which is such a vital explanation and almost, you know, documentary of what's happening on the ground there. So these are different ways in which I think uh, faculty and curriculum are beginning to, 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 to shift in, because of the, because the kind of work that FJP is trying to accomplish. One of the things we're hoping for with the FJPs is that they connect with local struggles and issues um, not only in terms of events, but also in terms of classroom curriculum. So there's an interest in Palestine as a site of settler colonialism and occupation in relation to Hawaii, which is also a site of occupation and settler colonialism. I know at Davis they've been looking at um, struggles. Um, Sunaina uh, had helped organize something that was co-sponsored with the Native American Student Union, um, that featured a Palestinian hydrologist as well as activists from FJP and JVP to think about water theft and destruction of agriculture um, since that is important to settler regimes on California Indian land as well as in Palestine. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Cynthia, you touched on this already, but uh, Bill, what's your advice to professors who support the boycott movement and want to be part of your campaign but are worried that they will face the Salaita treatment or the treatment of other professors who dared to criticize Israel either publicly or privately and possibly come under fire from administrations who are susceptible to pressure from Israel-aligned groups. and uh, How can they get support and what's your advice for them? 
I think that they, if anyone out there is listening, they could reach out to Cynthia and I, who could uh, talk about how we built our FJPs here and also direct them to other faculty at other campuses who have done the same. There is sometimes a little bit of a balancing act that has to happen, just for example, as to whether how public your your chapter might want to be, because there are people who might be wary of signing on to a public Faculty for Justice in Palestine group, but would be happy to do so in a sort of a more covert fashion. I have a colleague in Ohio who's exactly in that state, and he's got an active uh, kind of branch, but they don't really want to go public yet because some of the faculty are worried about recriminations. So I think those kinds of stories can help give confidence to people that there are multiple ways to put put together a, a, a consortium of faculty at an individual campus, depending on the context. The other thing I would say is trying to think regionally about how to connect to other faculty can be important. So, for example, I'm in constant contact with faculty at um, Indiana University, Purdue University in Indianapolis. That faculty has actually just passed a divestment resolution they are now forming an FJP group, and we're going to pull together a meeting of ourselves along with SJPs at our respective campuses to talk more broadly about the issues of divestment and how faculty and students uh, can kind of work collaboratively in the process of building divestment. And I think the, what's what's important about networking is it helps build confidence that you're not alone on your campus, that there are people nearby that are in the same struggle as you are. And it's also wonderful for sharing ideas about how to be be more uh, most effective on campus. Finally, tell us how people can find out more about Faculty for Justice in Palestine and get involved or even start a chapter on their own campus. There is a um, link to this at the US ACBI website. There's a pull-down menu, and Faculty for Justice in Palestine does pop up. And so uh, that includes mission statements and examples of activities. So that is one way. And then another, as Bill said, is uh, just to contact us, and you know we can um, be in discussion about ways to, to begin this. And also just to say that it can start very small, and it can proceed in SJP, and so there's lots of different ways to do this. Yeah, I would, just, I would just add that it can start with a cup of coffee, you know, between you and the one other person in the department, you know, across the college that you know is a, a pro-Palestinian voice. And in my experience, just, just beginning with two or three people is critical to start building small trust that can then be used, hopefully, to recruit newer people. And I and I think um, I, I think people need to 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 be patient, but also to be deliberate in committing to this because I, I think it's really a critical. Uh, we're trying to fill a critical missing space in academia right now, which is you know organized faculty um, support for BDS, but also especially. Um, support for for students who are doing this critical work. I think yeah. also having a visitor come can be very catalyzing. Um, Noura Erekat came in November 2014 to the University of Hawaii, and that really galvanized faculty. Mm-hmm. And when Remy Kanazi came this November, he really uh, excited the students. 
they got very, you know, kind of invested in learning more about what is happening and being active in the struggle for justice in Palestine. And I really think that his visit is what was responsible for the SJP coming together on our campus. Wonderful. Uh, those are the voices of Cynthia Franklin and Bill Mullen. Cynthia is a professor of English at the University of Hawaii, and Bill is a professor of American Studies at Purdue University in Indiana. And both of our guests are members of the U.S. Campaign for the Academic and Cultural Boycott of Israel, which is U.S. ACBI. And to learn more about Faculty for Justice in Palestine, you can visit the U.S. ACBI website at usacbi.org, the U.S. Campaign for the Academic and Cultural Boycott of Israel. Cynthia and Bill, thank you so much for all you do and for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Nora. And that's it for the Electronic Intifada podcast. For news, information, cultural features and reviews, and pointed opinion and analysis, visit us online at electronicintifada.net, where you can also post comments and sign up for our daily email digest. Follow us on Twitter at Intifada. Radio stations are free to use this podcast, and if you're listening on iTunes, support the Electronic Intifada podcast by rating it and leaving a review. On behalf of all of us at the Electronic Intifada, thank you for listening. <laughs>